0: Hello
1: and welcome to the Big Blue View podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum, and we are coming to you in like the second half of the Giants' bye. We're now entering week 10. The Giants are playing on Monday night. We're going to just be looking forward a little bit at what we can expect for the second half of the season. Before we get into that, we'll just give you a quick update on some of the things that have been happening and with the podcast network as most of you have probably noticed if you subscribe to the podcast there has been a new episode uploaded that was not Chris and I. It was Ed Valentine, who runs Big Blue View. He is now officially part of the podcast network, so he'll be contributing probably two shows a week. So our show that has been a preview and recap show, we're still going to come to you two times a week. That's mostly going to be a recap episode after the games and as of now our second show because of pretty much just how the Giant season has unfolded so far our second show of the week is going to start focusing more on college football and the nfl draft i know it is early for that but hey, that's kind of what we have to look forward to. It'll give us a little bit of a different look uh, besides just repeating ourselves a lot in the preview and review episodes. We'll just be able to to look at something new and something to look forward to. Um, With that, we're probably going to have a new name for this show. Uh, We're still workshopping that. We're still coming up with ideas if you guys who are listening have ideas for what this show should be named that might be a dangerous thing to to say but uh please let us know. If you guys have some ideas maybe we'll we'll take some suggestions. We are open to it just so we have a differentiation so everyone knows what show is going to be me and Chris, what show is going to be Ed just so uh, when you see it in in your podcast apps or however you get your podcast you'll just you'll know immediately what show you're going to be listening to, So we're going to get to that in a little bit. So when you start seeing some new names there, d- don't be too surprised. But for now, this is going to be the same show that we've been doing. It's going to be Chris and I talking about what is going on with the Giants. And with that, we're just gonna see what we can maybe expect what we're hoping to see in the second half of the season. And Chris, that isn't a very optimistic conversation that we've been having to this point.
2: No, not really. As you you can probably tell from the fact that our preview show has moved right on to previewing what they can do after their season is finally over.
1: Yeah, we'll be doing a lot of that. Just kind of looking at specific players, we'll eventually look at different games and that'll be coming later in the week. So I guess we'll we'll probably describe that show more when we do that show later in the week it'll probably be similar to the podcast we did with mark Schofield uh, that came out last week thank you to those who have listened to that show we've gotten some really good feedback on that and and it was definitely a fun show to do so we'll try to do more of that type of stuff with this show but for now Not much has changed since the last time we talked to you guys. The Giants are still 1-7 because they had a bye last week. They did not play. It also means they did not lose, which only the second time this season that has happened. But as we move forward, they'll kick off the second half of the season against the San Francisco 49ers on Monday Night Football. San Francisco is coming off a game where they completely blew out Oakland. So maybe we'll talk about that game a little bit, but mostly we're just going to be talking about what we can maybe expect and hope for going into this second half of the season. One in seven right now, Football Outsiders has them with a 12.8% chance at the top pick, a 57.2% chance at a top five pick. The top pick numbers is the fourth highest. The top five pick numbers is the fifth highest. So they are probably going to have a, a pretty high pick. And I think the one thing as we now look forward into the second half of the season, whether this team is going to improve or not, that might come just with the schedule the schedule might just ease up a little bit and that might allow the Giants to look a little better than they have even if the team isn't necessarily better Uh, so per Football Outsiders has their past schedule uh, as the seventh hardest so the games that have already been played looking back that was the seventh hardest schedule in the league going forward now they have the 26th hardest schedule in the league so that's a significant difference there, and as we go forward, uh, it's going to be time to keep that in mind as we just kind of look at the possible performance there is going to be for this team. So I think like we usually do with these previews, we'll break down the offense and then break down the defense and what we can try to look for and maybe hope for in the questions we have. So we can jump in, in the offense, and obviously I think the the place we need to start is quarterback. The Giants returned to practice on Tuesday. Pat Shermer said that Kyle Oletta would not be suspended by the team for uh, his traffic arrest last week. So I think that eventually opens the door for him to at least get some playing time in the second half of the season, whether that's from start or whether that's just getting into games uh, if they're out of hand, which, you know, they might be if they go (laughs) the same way Giants games have gone so far. Eli Manning has been named the starter for the San Francisco game Monday night in Week 10. Uh, That's probably not a surprise, especially with the timing of everything that had to do with Loretta. But there's going to be a time where I think that move has to be made. Although when Schirmer was asked about it on Tuesday, uh, he said the idea of sticking with Manning right now is that we trust him. And his comment was, let's go on a run here so there's no decisions to be made. That line right there kind of made me stop a little bit. That kind of sounds like he... If the Giants, like, start winning out and they they will stick with Eli, I, I don't think that's a good idea at all. I think even if they, I mean, they're they're not going to go four and two over the next six games or whatever. But even if they do, I think you have to see you all of it because you've, I think you've seen it, a 37-year-old Eli Manning, uh, maybe not the biggest problem, but still not something you want going forward. Uh, for this team, I, I don't think a 38-year-old Eli Manning in 2019 is going to be much better. So I think that the let's go on a run here so there's no decision to be made, that's that's a troubling statement to me because I think it's, at some point you have to see what you have in Loretta, whether you believe he's the answer or not. I mean, I'm not someone who does. I think you still have to see him, especially when, when you're looking at what your options are going to be going forward.
2: Yeah, Unless maybe that Schirmer isn't quite sure or doesn't really believe that Loletta is ready to put his best foot forward, for lack of a better term. Or doesn't believe that he could show much of anything positive with the offense and the state that it's in. Yes, he is more mobile than Eli Manning, but if the offensive line keeps hemorrhaging pressure like it has been, They might be worried that the rookie could get shell-shocked or just not even have the opportunity to impress them. So that could be where that's coming from. Or it could just be coach speaking, saying, we want to win the game. We are hoping that Eli gives us the best chance to win.
1: Yeah, I mean, just at at some point, I think you have to start seriously talking about how there is an issue that will eventually need to uh, be, addressed. be confronted. <laughs> yeah. At, at quarterback, that's something you're going to have to think about just hoping that suddenly Eli Manning is going to be better. And it, I mean, if we're being honest, Eli Manning has not been great for a couple of years. <laughs> like, no. Um. So I I don't understand how this like this magical idea that he's somehow going to be better. I'm looking at his so adjusted net yards attempt is just basically yards per attempt that factors in touchdowns, interceptions, and sacks. And I'm looking at his his rate stats where if you look at a hundred, um, a hundred is league average above 100 is a percentage above league average below is whatever percentage below league average he hasn't had an adjusted net yards per attempt plus over 100 since 2015 so i i don't know what eli manning we're waiting for can he play better than this maybe but just this entire quarterback thing is is something that really needs to be taken into account quickly but as you look past that and what we have in front of him and maybe part of the reason Eli has been like he has been for the past couple years is the offensive line so last week the Giants actually made a waiver claim and took on uh Jamon Brown from the Los Angeles Rams, which actually I think is, is a really good move. So Brown kind of lost his starting job with the Rams this year because of a suspension for the first couple games of the season. And then Austin Blythe slid in and he's played pretty well. So the Rams really didn't have anywhere to put him. So they... Waived him. the Giants, uh, because of their spot on waivers because of their record, were able to claim him. He was apparently claimed by a couple of other teams. The Giants had priority there. but he he could be pretty good. so he played right guard for the Rams last year. He started all 16 games, over a thousand snaps only allowed one sack. I'm looking at his numbers per football outsiders and sports info solutions here. he had the fewest blown blocks on that Rams offensive line last season, while playing the most snaps of those offensive linemen. So this is potentially a a good piece that could be added to this offensive line going forward and at right guard where where the Giants do definitely need some help.
2: They, They need a lot of help. It would also let them move John Greco back to center, which would be an upgrade over Spencer Pulley who at times it looked last game like Breco was trying to make the protections and Pulley didn't have a whole lot of idea what was going on, which is not what you want from your center. Brown might wind up upgrading two spots, which would be a significant improvement for the giant. Definitely surprised to me that they were able to get him because usually there are not 32 or 64 starting guards in the NFL. I mean, how many teams have starters that you look at and just should not be starters?
1: I mean, look at the Giants.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So it's it's a surprise to me that a smart team and a team that has been intelligently aggressive, like the Rams, let a starter and a solid good starter, like Brown, leave. And not just let him leave, but cut him. So the Giants had two starting centers and let one leave and let the other one go. And now they're winding up, wind up hoping to be able to move an old guard back to center. It's just a surprise to me that he was even available to be claimed.
1: It's potentially a quality of player that is not available in that way very often this isn't like a a Sam Bradford or a even a Bruce Irvin both of whom were just released this past week by their teams who are maybe underperforming expensive options that probably aren't going to be claimed. This is a guard who has potential, has already played well in this league. So he was a third round pick in 2015. He has one year left on his rookie deal and it's only a million dollar cap hit right now for the Giants. So that's a type of move and a type of claim you should make a hundred times out of a hundred. But they just rarely happen so this this could be a huge break for the giants as they're trying to figure out what the future of this offensive line could be
2: yeah we're not used to the giants catching breaks like this but it could be one Yeah, unless there was an actual reason which we don't yet know why the rams cut him but right now let's embrace hope it feels good His
1: two-game suspension in the beginning of the year was because of violating the substance policy. I don't think we have a lot of details. What had happened in a statement released on Twitter, Brown apologized and explained it was an isolated mistake 18 months ago. So that was back in July. So this was apparently what had happened was a very long time ago. Obviously, there's not many details that come out in these types of situations, but he served a suspension. He came back, so... You know, we'll see. And last year, he played all sixteen games, so he had does have the ability to be healthy, and so uh, p- definitely still the potential. I, I think maybe while we talk about the offensive line, or we can talk about some some pieces we wrote this week. So you looked at some of the offseason mistakes the Giants have made. I think you were kind of recapping uh, Bill Barnwell article on ESPN that showed the Giants had some of the biggest mistakes in the offseason. One of them was signing Nate Solder to his current contract. And then I wrote just kind of as a thought experiment. I think when we talk about the offensive line a lot, I think uh, the common defense for one, the, the Solder deal and this current state of the offensive line was that the, what else could the Giants have done? They had to go out and get help, so that means they pretty much had to overpay Nate Solder, and that means they they didn't have a lot of other options. So I just kind of wrote a piece trying to be as realistic as possible, looking back at the options they had at the time of what, first of all, whether the Giants could have rebuilt an offensive line in a year and what that would look like if they did. So in my piece, they come out with signing Chris Hubbard in free agency to play right tackle. And then I suggested they had drafted Quentin Nelson as second overall and also still taken Will Hernandez in the second round. And then also the morning of day two of the draft when it was rumored that the Patriots and San Francisco 49ers were talking about trading... Trent Brown. I said the Giants probably could have just snuck in there, often offered a better third-round pick, and come out with a left tackle there. I-, I thought those were possibly reasonable things that could have happened at the time. I believe that comes out with a better offensive line. I think that comes out with some more flexibility going forward. I mean, obviously, it's not. There's nothing the Giants can do about it now. But I, I think that refrain that there's nothing else the Giants could have done. I don't totally believe that and and i don't think it's it's helping anyone to to just say oh well Gettleman did all he could do he paid the top guy on the market and you know that's what they had to do after coming away with that piece I'm, i'm not sure i totally believe that
2: no and that was basically the thrust of barnwell's piece and my reaction to it from uh espn which was an insider piece so tried to just bring the relevant bits To Giant fans. And basically, the Giants threw good money after bad, particularly with Nate Solder and Patrick Omame. The Seahawks hiring Mike Solari, who was the Giants' offensive line coach last two years, and signing DJ Fluker, who was eventually, after injuries forced Ben McAdoo's hand, the Giants' right guard last year was rated as one of the best moves of the offseason because of the impact they've had on the Seahawks running game. And that was the thing that Fluker brought to the Giants because the about roughly five games he was able to start, the Giants fielded one of the, we'll say, most efficient rushing attacks in the league. They were averaging better than five yards a carry, and I believe... I don't have the numbers in front of me, but roughly 130 yards a game on the ground. And that was with an offense that had absolutely no commitment to running the ball, even if it was working. And Fluker signed a deal that was one-tenth the money the Giants gave Omame and only a one-year deal as opposed to a three-year deal. So that was obviously a mistake. And then going and making... Nate Solder, the highest-paid lineman in league history, at least to that point. And as you pointed out, it, it wasn't something they absolutely had to do. Nobody had a gun to the Giants' head saying, do this or else. They did have other options. It would have involved being a little bit more creative than just going after the biggest name on the market. But it could have been done, and it definitely would have given them more... Cap flexibility, where maybe they wouldn't have had to go and trade Brett Jones, and they could have had a natural center starting for them.
1: Yeah, all of that is true, and and of course hindsight is twenty twenty. But I think a, a we questioned these moves when they happened. I wrote a piece before free agency. I looked at the top ten free agents by position and. I wrote about the this Solder and even mentioned Hubbard in that piece of what the difference in play was between the two and how different the price would be. And I, I think that was something that, that could have been a realistic possibility, but I feel like the Giants felt like they needed to make the big splash move to say, hey, we are doing something about this offensive line, uh, even though that hasn't worked. But as bad as the offensive line has been, another thing we've talked about on this podcast is just how the Giants have not been super creative in trying to get around the offensive line. And that's another thing I want to see out of this offense is hopefully see a little more creativity and bring some of the things that Pat Shermer showed in Minnesota. Someone pointed this out to me on Twitter. They reminded me of a post I wrote back in like January about how Pat Shermer's past offenses have not been super great. When you look at where they've ranked by DVOA, a lot of them are in the 20s. His best offense was second, but that came while he was under Chip Kelly in Philadelphia, and just basically everyone. That was Chip Kelly's offense. Yeah, that was that was Chip Kelly's offense. No one credits Shermer with that offense, even though he was the offensive coordinator.
2: That's like saying the Giants' offense is Mike Shula's offense,
1: right? Yeah, it's the same thing right now. And then he wasn't in the—his t- only other season in the top 10 was last year in Minnesota. So I wrote this, and then I, I watched the Minnesota offense, and I, I bought in because I thought there was some things he had learned from that time. There were new schemes and, and new types of plays that he has brought in from everyone that he has worked with. And, and so I bought in and, and hoping that the offense was going to look like something that more resembled Minnesota than whatever he had run in the past— That just has not been the case. They're not running a lot of play action, which he did in Minnesota. They're not using a lot of pre-snap motion, which he did a lot in Minnesota. I wrote a big piece about how well Pat Shermer used motion to not only... I mean, usually when you talk about motion, it's sometimes just trying to figure out whether the offense is in man or zone, whether someone follows the receiver or not when he's moving. But there's so much more than that. It can open up plays and and you get just misdirection. And it's definitely a piece that can be used to open up offense more. But if you look at where they have been with with motion right now and uh, per sports info solutions numbers the giants have used motion on the ninth fewest plays in the league they have 6.3 yards per attempt on past plays where they've used motion and 5.4 when they haven't so they've been much better in motion that's actually one of the biggest gaps one of the biggest positive gaps in the league and they still haven't used it if you look at play action. They are only 27th in the rate of play action, and while they haven't been great using play action, their 7.2 yards per play is just 21st, it's still better than the 6.8 yards they have on passes without play action. So these are just simple things that Pat Shermer has used before. They're misdirection-type plays that get the defense just off guard a little bit they open up things for the offense they just make things easier for your offense and they're simple things that this offense just isn't using so when we get to the second half of the season I want to see if they are going to use these a little more because they're just very obvious things that can help
2: yeah and even moving on from that maybe have or not maybe they should be using Evan Ingram for Things other than shallow crossers you know where he can actually use that 4-4 speed provided he catches the ball but that's some that's a different that's a different conversation and might i think be influenced by just how few plays the offense as a whole are making but again different conversation but you know let him run vertically down the field use his athleticism use saquon barkley's athleticism you know, as it stands now, he is 10th in the league among running backs in yards after first contact. So he right now is picking up more than two and a quarter yards after a defender hits him, the touches him the first time. If he's doing that, why not let him have that first contact in the defensive backfield rather than the offensive backfield, which is a common refrain on this podcast let him run down the field before you throw him the ball. There are other things they could do, like run more RPOs, which would, you know, it's a simple, quick read. Done properly, they're practically free yards. They played to Eli Manning's strengths. Let him do that. Something I've been wanting to see since, I don't know, 2012. Maybe even earlier. Why not incorporate the pistol? They've they did that approximately once in the preseason, and I don't know that we've seen it since. It offers a lot of the same advantages as the shotgun, but also has a lot more versatility when it comes to running the ball. There's things they can do that they just haven't, and that's one of the things about Pat Shermer that's disappointed me that he hasn't brought in the, say, Creativity and flexibility in his scheming that we really expected from him.
1: That's been one of my biggest issues with what's been going on. There's just I just I would really like to see any sign of creativity going forward in the second half. I I don't know how how you trust it, whether there's a, a rookie quarterback or whatever next year um, if. If there's no creativity to get this offense going right now, what's to say there's going to be, you know next year? So in the second half of the season, I, I definitely want to see more creativity and and there's there's no excuse. Uh, as we look forward to what we're going to see against San Francisco, man on Thursday night they played Nick Mullins at quarterback but they they stuck to the Kyle Shanahan scheme there were guys running wide open and again that was against an Oakland Raiders defense that is absolutely terrible if you look at adjusted net yards per attempt Oakland's allowing 9.5 this year and Patrick Mahomes is 9.45 as a quarterback so Oakland is allowing opposing quarterbacks to be slightly better than Patrick Mahomes this year but still I don't think the Giants would have been doing that against Oakland I don't think it's crazy to say that I would not see the Giants throwing like crazy against that Raiders defense if that was their time to do that Uh, so (laughs) And I yeah, I just really need to see some creativity for this. I don't understand the way these these players have been used. Uh when you have all this skill position talent that you have said is great and that you have admitted is among like the league's best at each position, but you're using them like you would almost any other player at that position and that doesn't make sense to me at all. But I think we can we can move on. And so on the offense, while we want to see some more schematic things happen and see some hope there when we know mostly the players are what you want to spend at least at the skill positions. I think when we switch to the defensive side, I think we we just want to see some new players and see what they can bring because that's somewhere where I think I have a little more confidence in the scheme I just have no idea what players are going to be a part of it going forward
2: yeah I think on the defensive side of the ball the questions are really all personnel the Giants have some pretty big money decisions to make over the last eight games of the season. You know, they have to decide on whether or not they want to re-sign or extend Landon Collins. He said today that the talks have not yet begun, which seems like it could be uh, slightly concerning. But the Giants tend not to be in a big rush to extend players anyway, so that will get that will happen in in its own time if it happens at all. They have to decide whether or not they want to keep Janoris Jenkins or cut him for the cap room. That decision, you know, he's he hasn't been playing as well as he did in twenty sixteen, but he's still a viable starting corner. And the prices of those guys are is only going to go up. So his contract will get better as it in comparison to the rest of the league as time goes on. And you do need good coverage to run James Betcher's defense. Otherwise, blitzes will burn you. And then there's Olivier Vernon, who he's on a sizable contract of his own. And the Giants could decide to try to cut or deal him for some cap relief. But then on the other hand, who's going to rush the passer? As we saw through the first six games of the season, they don't really have anybody else to, who could be a primary pass rusher, at least as it stands now.
1: That's definitely true, especially when you look at what they did. I, when I, I wrote during the bye week just kind of how the rookies have played, uh, I kind of wrote how I'm kind of still holding out on the hype of Lorenzo Carter uh, just because of you know he hasn't totally been effective as a pass rusher. And I looked at just kind of pressure rates, how many pass rush snaps and how many pressures these players have had, uh, and Carter was only 3.5, but when you look at Olivier Vernon, he's at 7.5% of his pass rush snaps uh, come with a pressure, and that's easily the best of the Giants' edge rushers right now. And you can see the, the pass rush completely changed when Vernon came back. So I, I think they still have this balance of of veterans and young guys that they need to mix in for the rest of the season and and as we look to to go forward, Vernon's definitely going to be one of those guys. Oh, we have some young guys, some young guys that that we know are going to continue to see playing time, like Lorenzo Carter, like B.J. Hill, who we saw. And one of those guys now who is going to be added to that defensive line is fifth-round pick RJ McIntosh, who was just activated uh, from the NFI list on Tuesday. But, Chris, I think this is going to be news to you because it actually just came up as we were getting to this topic. In order to create the roster spot for McIntosh to be activated, the Giants waived Quadre Henderson.
2: Oh, wow Uh, yes i did not have my twitter feed up and just they finally find a guy who can be reliable as a returner and they let him they got rid of him
1: i guess that means they really like jewel davis as that return guy but i mean henderson even in his his short time was was better than davis was yeah i i I don't know i don't know why (laughs) that was the move that had to be made I mean, Henderson, um, Henderson was easily the best returner there
2: uh, on a team that uh, did not have good returners. In our latest roundtable, he, he was good enough I listed him as a possible building block. You know, finally, they had, it took them three tries, but they were able to solidify that. Finally. Well, I guess not. Well,
1: n- not anymore. Back, back to, to the old uh, drawing board. Yeah, back to unknowns and, and having very bad return. So yeah, that's that's breaking as we record this. But yeah, you would have thought Henderson was, was a piece, even though he wasn't probably going to contribute at wide receiver. As a kick and pun returner, he was was showing more flashes than anyone had seen or anyone had shown so far this season. Um, but i guess as we get back to the defense there's there's the just the young guys you want to see you want to see grant haley get more snaps and and he probably is if if the game against washington is proof he was the starter he played uh, quite a bit sean chandler had had a bigger role those were two undrafted guys Since after the bye now you know he's not exactly young. He's not one of the rookies. He's still fairly young. And Tony Lepet who was signed, he's still coming off that Achilles injury, but he's had the weekend. He had a week and a half with the Giants. Now he has that bye. Uh, we'll see if he gets on the field at cornerback now. Yeah.
2: And those are guys, the undrafted guys, uh, lepet the Giants need at least one of them to step up and look like they could be an answer at one of those spots, either slot corner, outside corner, free safety, because otherwise they've got an awful lot of holes to address, you know, maybe definitely more than they can address in one off season. If they don't come out of this season with any answers from the, the uh, young guys and maybe more than they can address this off and next off season, if they have to tear down and rebuild the offensive line yet again, and somehow try to find a quarterback, those are the positions I think they're really bear the most watching over the last eight games or so.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you talk about things you can't do in one off season finding like 11 new players to put on a defense is definitely one of them i I don't think there's there's any way we can get around that and and the giants might be looking for i mean depending how the rest of the season plays out like like maybe six starters i don't know Uh, maybe at like four at the least is is possible so it's yeah it's there's going to be a, a lot of work there, uh, but if there's things we're looking forward to for the second half of the season, it's it's seeing these young guys and who is going to contribute. Um, I've said multiple times I have some high hopes for Grant Haley. It, whether he you know sticks as a slot corner or they want to use him outside, he's probably he's more likely to stay in the slot. Uh, Tony LePet is someone who I have liked, but we just don't know what he's going to be like coming off of that achilles injury that he had that caused him to miss the entire 2017 season so right now what the giants have on defense is a whole bunch of dart throws and we don't know if they're going to hit the board or not let alone you know stick somewhere useful that's what we're going to look for on on the defensive side of the ball it's just seeing if any of these players are going to be worth keeping around or if there's even more work that needs to be done for this defense going into the off season.
2: Yeah. The giants have a lot of holes they need to plug. They need some of these guys to step up. And unfortunately more than a few of these holes are ones they made themselves, but that's what the second half of this probably lost season is going to be for just an expanded preseason for 2019
1: yep that is that is what it's going to be so a uh, couple of things uh and while we might unfortunately while we might not be watching for a lot of wins uh, there are definitely things we can keep an eye on uh, to give us maybe some clue of what this team is going to look like in uh, throughout the offseason and into 2019 so i think we can end it there If you have not subscribed to this podcast, please do. So you're going to now get our shows and Ed's shows all going to be in the same channel. So just subscribe to Big Blue View wherever you download your podcast. and You're going to get everything in the same feed. Please rate and review if you haven't already. Again, if you guys would like to throw some suggestions for uh, what this show should be called uh please let us know we will be back later in the week and remember that is now going to be our college football and draft show ed's probably going to have another show coming this week as well uh, as we head into week 10 with a game on monday night so thank you guys for hanging out and we'll talk to you again soon